Action. It's time for the Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. with him today about this. It's like itching. Can't, gotta get out there. He told me he took a half day yesterday. I wish I could do that. Can't take a half day. I gotta work all day. Come out here and uh, talk sports with you. Look, you can talk sports with me as well. The Hammerhead text line is always open to you. 765-447-4080. That number again, 765-447-4080. Always love hearing from you guys and uh, the local sports topics that uh, you want to hear about. But uh, why don't we go ahead and get started with today's Need to Know News. Here's your Need to Know News. All right, let's start with uh, Purdue Baseball. Winners last night, 16-9 over Butler, the Bulldogs. Fourth straight game they have won. Got them back to the 500 mark on the season. First time since they were 10-10 after the Big Ten opener back in March. Purdue had seven extra base hits, including six doubles. Uh, Both totals represented season highs. Boilers with a season-high 11 walks. Six over the first three innings. 16 runs were the most without a homer uh, since they scored 19 on 17 base hits and three doubles at Western Kentucky back in 2020. Mike Bolton Jr., dude is good, reached base safely five times. Uh, to raise his uh, OB, uh, OBP to 455, team high. Also stole career-high three bases, now has 67 steals for the season, three shy of the program record, which has stood since 1991. Brian Adams is on top of the charts with everything I do. That That's how long ago it's been since this record's been broken. Bolton yesterday also began the first Boilermaker with 20 steals in consecutive season. Or I'm sorry, he's done this, but the first Boilermaker 20 steals in consecutive season since Chris Walker did it in 80, 98 and 99. He's fast. Good for him, man. Uh, Purdue baseball on the road this weekend. I believe Maryland, correct? Yes. Herman Sepney. This dude just... I, I, I need him in my golf scrambles. I'll tell you that. For the third time this year, seventh time in his career, he's been named the Big Ten Golfer of the Week. Secney has uh, his seven career honors now tied for fourth uh, by most by a golfer in league history. Not school history, league history in the Big Ten. The top number is nine, so we would need to do that uh, two more times. I don't believe... He can hit that this year uh, because he got the Big Ten Championships coming up. So I'm assuming they're going to have one more. Um, he won four as a sophomore, and then he's won three more this season. So I mean, there's room if he wants to stay. Hopefully he becomes an All-American. Just the fifth player in school history with at least three victories 
uh, when he earned co-medalist honors over the weekend at the Boilermaker Invite. Boilermakers, of course, with that great comfort behind victory over Oklahoma. Second, career stroke average of 71.71 is tops in school history. It's more than a stroke better than second. He's good. Good for Herman, man. Cubs finish up their road trip with a sweep of the ace, 12-2 that final yesterday. Justin Steele moves to 3-0. One earned, five strikeouts. Dansby Swanson, the only leg I needed for the hit in that same game parlay, got walked three times. Ugh. What are you going to do? Ian Happ, two for four with a ribby. Hosmer picked up his first homer of the year. Cubs roll. Cubs return home to open a series with the Dodgers tonight. Strong winds blowing out at Wrigley this evening. You'll love to see it as a better. Uh, that's not going to be easy for James Tyen or Dodgers pitcher Michael Grove. Grove has an ERA in this one of nine, but he did give the Cubs some fits in their matchup earlier uh, in that road trip. Like six, seven days ago, he pitched. So, yeah, uh, he's got some experience, and it's been positive stuff against the Cubbies. Sox struggled again, 5-2 to two the final against the Phillies. Uh, Clevenger goes three innings, three earned, um, one strikeout. He ran his pitch count up to 76 in those three innings, probably because he gave up six hits and three homers. Uh, Andrew Vaughn, two for four with a homer for the Sox. White Sox dropped to 7-12. and 12. They're going to head to Tampa tomorrow. It's not going to get any easier for them. Michael Kopech takes the mound. He's given up seven homers and three starts so far. I mean, just can't seem to get this thing figured out. What are you going to do? How's, I haven't checked this out yet. And maybe I can look it up real quick. But I've not seen... I really... I liked Jose Abreu. And when they got, I understand they had to make changes. I, I like, I get that. But boy, that seemed like a, that didn't seem like a piece that you wanted to let go, right? So I was like, what is he doing? What's he doing this season? So I look it up here. 79 at bats, just 21 hits. So he's only hitting, he's hitting 266, no homers, nine RBIs. Uh, it's still a little bit early. Maybe we made the right call there. I don't know. All right, that does it. That is Need to Know News. Back to our friends uh, with DraftKings, who will uh, take care of you again tonight with another NBA no sweat, same game parlay bet for your same game parlay X. Uh, as uh, you're going to get one of those every night during the NBA playoffs. That's right. Uh, we hit last night with that over, uh, so let's go at it again here tonight. Explain to me how the 76ers are just a four-and-a-half-point road favorite. Playing in Brooklyn's a difference of five points from the last timeout. I, I, I That doesn't... I don't seem right to me. I feel like you're, fle- you're you're fleecing them tonight, unless I'm missing something. Uh, that seems wildly, wildly off to me. 
76ers won game one, 121 to 101. And then uh, 96 to 84 in game two. So this hasn't been closer than eight points yet. I just I don't see how going back to Brooklyn is going to be that big a deal in this matchup. Four and a half feels like a little bit of a steal to me. You go back to the regular season where the 76ers just dominated the Nets the entire year. Right? Four games, and the 76ers. No problem. 76ers in Brooklyn, those two games, 101 to 98, they won, and then 134 to 105. That's the last game they played back at the beginning of April. Which was just 11 days ago when they played that. I feel like it's a more accurate indicator. I, I don't, I, I just, I don't see it. I don't see it. Four and a half, that's my play tonight if uh, you're going to get into the NBA. That's where I'm going. Stanley Cup tonight, no sweat uh, bet as well in the same game parlay. Take advantage of that. MLB, same game parlay. Get a 100% boost uh, on your same game parlay uh, tonight for each leg that you add. You're going to get a, a bigger boost up to 100%. And I'm 100% looking at that game, Chicago and the Dodgers, because the wind blows out as strong as it does there. You are going to get some runs. This is a great night for you to start taking uh, RBIs, bases, and home runs. When that money blows out, or when that uh, wind blows out, that money blows in traditionally. So, yeah, I'm going to be on that one. Uh, that has blown up to, it started at 11.5. It came down to 10.5. Now it's gone back up to 11 on the over-under. So that should tell you something. So I think this is a great this is a great one here that maybe I'm not so much on parlaying the hits, although, you know, it's it's nice to do that when you have the boost. You know, throwing like a Nico Horner in there. At like minus 380, you're going to get more of a boost because of the extra legs. But I feel like you shouldn't shy away from RBIs or or total bases tonight. You're going to get more value on that kind of stuff this evening. And I always tell folks, please double check if you're going to get into those. Double check to make sure that the odds aren't different. And when I say that, I mean like looking at a player to get a hit and then go over to bases and see if there's like a, a one plus and make sure, make sure there's not a difference in the odds. Okay. Just double check with that kind of stuff. I'm probably not getting uh, in on the pitchers in this one. I don't want to mess with that. Find yourself some guys you like for an RBI or two. Find some guys you like for some bases. Get some legs in there and use that bonus. This is a great game to do it because, like I said, you pop this up. We're looking at, like, what was it, like 20-mile-an-hour winds out there? 
they say there might be a little bit of rain when it when it kicks off, and if it pushes back towards the evening, that the temperature is going to come down a little bit, which is not ideal because they start at seven forty. So we're looking at about 70 degrees then, but if the rain pushes the start back, it's like 9 o'clock. Now we're getting down in the low 60s. Uh, that will affect a little bit. But, you know, blowing out to uh, left uh, left center at 20 miles an hour, yeah, that's going to that's gonna help you out. So hopefully the rain's not too bad up there. They're able to get that one in. That's the one to target tonight. 100% that's the one to target. Um, also, it's probably not a bad uh, idea to take a look at the uh, Philadelphia Phillies and the Rockies tonight. Cor- uh, I, that one's in Philadelphia. Never mind. I thought that one was at Coors Field. No, stick with, stick with your cubbies. You know your cubbies. Stick with your cubbies. Put some legs together. And uh, take advantage of those booths. Again, get into like I said, the no sweats. For the NBA, I do like the 76ers. I think this is going to be a, uh, this feels like a Tyrese Maxey sort of game to me. I feel like that's a guy you can get around uh, 20 points or so, and you're getting uh, a nice little payout, minus 105 on that. So pick a couple legs in that, but I'm telling you right now, I do like the 76ers this evening in Brooklyn. I have not gotten into the hockey. I will get into the hockey, but I haven't gotten into anything. Uh, we did. We got washed last night in hockey because the Wild pulled uh, Gustafsson for some terrible reason and put Marc-Andre Fleury in, so that was off. And then I never did get a line on. Uh, there was literally no Kings goalie posted last night, so... We'll get back to it. I'll probably jump back in the Vavileski over 30 and a half saves because I was smited the first time. But I think we can do better tonight. So there you go. Those are the picks. Let's get going. Fingers crossed. Let's have another big night here. Take advantage of those no sweats, all right? Maybe throw in a get a little crazy on a leg there and uh, run the totals up. Make sure you read the details and opt in before you uh, participate in those. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, the NFL Draft, we are officially one week away. Mazda crowds expected in Kansas City. We've been focusing a lot on the Colts, but what about your Chicago Bears? Let's talk about it next here on the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017. Hey, welcome back. It is the Hammer Down Show on 101.7 The Hammer. You can always reach out on the Hammer text line at 765-447-4080. Again, 765-447-4080. All right, so we've talked a lot about the Colts recently because, well, you know, in terms of the draft, they are one of the most intriguing at this point because of the position, what they need, and... You know, scenarios could happen. There's a lot of speculation. But because we've talked so much about the Indianapolis Colts, I feel like we really haven't touched much on the Bears, who you know traded out of that top pick. And, um, you know, even at the time, and I still believe, it is a good move to do what they did. Now, while everybody's kind of focused on what's going to happen those first five picks, 
you know, Chicago gets to kind of sit back and, and let this thing come to them. It's a bit of a different position with Colts are in. And I, I probably sound a little bit hypocritical because I think it's good that the Bears almost will let the draft dictate to them what they do. With the Colts, it was more of a, listen, the draft is going to dictate to you what you're going to do here, but I think you had a good chance. You, you were so focused on one position that by not making the move that they probably should with the Bears, they're just not going to get their choice of what they want in a certain position. And they could have had it. This for the Bears, look, you you need to go both sides of the line. You need outside linebacker, and you probably need some help in that secondary as well. I don't know that one out trumps the other of those in between offensive tackle, defensive tackle, and maybe linebacker. I, I don't know. I think they're all maybe defensive tackle a little bit more over offensive tackle. But if they use that first pick on an offensive tackle, I would be. I I don't think you can go wrong with getting a top offensive tackle. I think you're pretty good at that. For me, looking at this, there's a few catalysts that will determine what Chicago is going to do. And I think it's just going to be the choice of, hey, we're going to take the best available player at probably one of the lines. And the nice thing here, too, is you're going to have, I think, your choice of a a top two in either one of those categories, if not the top one. Few catalysts here. One, you know Carolina's going to go and get a quarterback. So Houston comes up next. And we talked about this new kind of thing that surfaced, this new little rumor, and I told you can't believe anybody, that Houston might not take a quarterback with that pick, that maybe they think that they can get somebody else, sit back and wait until pick 12, and a um, maybe like they're, they're okay with like Hendon Hooker or something, and, and that's the way that they go. Could they go that way? Yes. I don't, I don't believe that you do. The most important position on your football team and you have your chance to take the second best player in that category, I don't think you wait and then settle for maybe getting the fifth guy. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But then again, this is the Houston Texans. They're not the most logical franchise historically. If they decide not go QB, I believe this is the first that would be the first trigger. Chaos because then Arizona's getting a lot of calls at number three all of a sudden. A lot of calls. They're getting calls from Indianapolis. They're getting calls from Seattle, I would think. They're probably getting calls from Tennessee. I, I would say those three right off the bat. Heck, maybe even the commanders. All looking to move in and scoop something up. But let's say the logic prevails here. They take their quarterback. Stroud and Bryce Young are off the map. Then it really is Arizona's decision here. Would they take an offer from another team to move up that wants a quarterback? That would be in Chicago's best interest. 
It would also be in Chicago's best interest if the deal they made was with the Tennessee Titans. Because now that moves a team in Arizona that, quite frankly, needs a lot of help. I would think they'd go edge if they keep it, but they could also go defensive tackle, which is another big need for them. They need a lot of help on the defensive line. So if Arizona were to move back with like Tennessee, that would be a dream scenario for the Chicago Bears. But if you go with that there, then all of a sudden, I think edge becomes a little bit more available to other teams. Colts aren't going to take edge. They're going to take a quarterback if they don't move up. Now, if if we go one, two, three in quarterbacks because Arizona trades, you got to ask yourself, do the Colts, did they, did they have a preference between Richardson and, and Levis? Would they be willing to take what is ever left there? Do they secretly love Hendon Hooker? I don't feel like they trade out of four there. I just don't. But I also don't, my gut says Arizona doesn't get out. They, they need some rush. They lost Watt. They need a lot of help on that defensive line. I, I just don't think you can have a completely barren defensive line and, and pass up getting a top defensive tackle or top edge rusher. I say they go rush. And you're still okay as the Bears. Colts take a quarterback. Um, the next catalyst is what does Seattle want to do? With that, uh, with that pick that they got from the Broncos, could they use D tackle? Yes, but I think this is the start of a little bit of a a run on on edge rush. So I, I think they could probably take another guy off the edge. Detroit will do something in the secondary, more like most likely. And now here we come to our next catalyst, which is the Raiders. A lot of talk about Jalen Carter this week. And if he falls and if he's there, is it worth it? Is it a risk? That's something that's right up the Raiders' alley, though. Be honest. You know that. They're great with the controversial picks. I know the Bears talked about if he was there that they would think about that or possibly trade that pick. Remember we had that ridiculous scenario, Pittsburgh would try. I, I felt like I debunked that pretty good. So I think they take the top defensive tackle off the board, and then the Bears will have a decision because uh, Atlanta, I say they're, again, that's another team that just really needs pass rush. They need pass rush, and they need uh, they need some skill players. So I don't I don't feel like that's a threat to you. All of a sudden, the the Chicago Bears now you you dodge you dodge a run on those court. If the quarterback thing happens, and all of a sudden people are trading up, I think you're I, I think that's a great scenario there for you. The, the guys that the teams that are probably going to take guys uh, in your wheelhouse can be Seattle, can be the Raiders. Uh, and I think you're okay with the Falcons. So then that comes down to nine. And, and now you have a interesting choice. Do you want to dip in and take the next available 
defensive tackle, which is probably not a bad thing. I only know who who do they have that ranked on ESPN? Maisie Smith, maybe? From Michigan? So you could do that. Or I'll be honest with you, it's hard for me to walk away from Skaronsky, the big offensive tackle from Northwestern. I, I thought he was far and away the best uh, offensive lineman in the country. I don't think it's a bad idea for you to get in there and get a guy to protect your quarterback. It, it's it's never wrong. Even if you want Broderick Jones, if you like Broderick Jones a little bit more from Georgia, uh, Paris Johnson's out there too. That's another guy that you've uh, seen a lot. But I like Skaronsky. I thought he has a great mobility. Paris Johnson's not bad either. But you have a chance to take the number one offensive tackle there. I think that's a good place to be in. Because realistically, you're looking at either the top offensive tackle or you are looking at, uh, what, your second defensive tackle? Maybe maybe even the first guy. Your two biggest positions in need, I think you're pretty darn good there getting either the number one or number two guy in either one of those categories. And I really don't see anybody trading up to get Skaronsky. And I, there's not, it's in Seattle, um, Detroit. The Raiders, these are not teams that are interested in grabbing an offensive tackle right here. So when I say that this is good for the Bears, that it's going to come to them, that's what I mean. They don't really have a whole lot of control over which they're going to do until they get to that moment. The draft is going to dictate, but it's not necessarily a bad thing for them. I would be a little upset. I think I would be a little bit frustrated if they traded back down again. Unless it's, I don't know, maybe you get down to, I wouldn't want to go farther than 11. Once you get into uh, the the middle, like that around 13, 14, 15, these are now teams that are looking at your offensive tackles as well. And I just don't, I think if you get the top in a category, I don't know that you can necessarily pass it up at that point. Plus, you got to think about the other trades that might be going up there. I, I, I think the kid's a blue chipper. I think if you if he falls to you at that point, I think you are more than thrilled uh, to address a need to protect your uh, quarterback. And you've got a lot of ammunition here. I don't think this is necessarily a bad defensive tackle class. I mean, I think the top... We got at least a good five or six in this class. I think that are going to make a uh, a good difference on teams coming right out of the gate here at defensive tackle. So, yeah, if on the Bears there, uh, that'll be the decision there. Do I take my my second ranked defensive tackle, or do I take the number one offensive tackle? Either one fits a great need there. Do you feel like you want to jump up and and take an outside linebacker there at that spot? I. Man, that would fit the whole Monsters of the Midway thing. 
There are just some teams that thrive when they have uh, great players at certain positions. And certainly Chicago and linebacker, I mean, Erlacher, Roquan Smith as of late, you know, uh, gives it a real identity. Not the worst thing in the world. I just, if it's me, I'm trying to help out Justin Fields. And I got a great opportunity to do that. And I just don't think that there's going to be a massive run on linebackers early on here. I think you're going to be in a decent spot down the road here to address that need. So uh, looking it over, everything you're hearing, we're a week out. The Bears kind of just get to sit back and wait and see how it's going to come to them there. They're, they're not going to make it move up. And if they're going to move back at all, I, I would be I would be shocked, like I said. I would be shocked if they go back past, I don't know, Jets maybe? I don't know. Maybe two spots. I just don't, but I don't see that happening. Bears in a great spot here. Really, really are. Uh, they're off and running already, and we haven't even made it to the draft. A week away, we will have coverage of that here on 101.7 The Hammer as well. Uh, all three days, so uh, you don't want to miss out. We're going to take a break. Don't go anywhere. Come back. More Hammer Down Show next on. Back on the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. I'm Jared Jessalitis. And this weekend, uh, it's going to be the uh, final Purdue spring practice. If you haven't had a chance to see what the Purdue Turf guys did out at Folk Field to set up, uh, well, they like painted everything too. Look great. Totally dug it. Uh, they're not going to be playing it out there now, though, but they still went ahead and painted anyway. I like to see that. Um, a lot of questions over what's been going on over there right now. The, the one that I constantly see put up there is why isn't this, you know, why can't this be open to the public? Why can't it be televised? The, the, uh, a couple of reasons on that. Number one, to get out the folk field, you're going to be turning people away. It's just, it, it's what's going to happen. There wasn't the room. You'd love to be able to do it in Ross 8 Stadium, but obviously with all the construction and everything too, it's a liability. You can't have people out in the middle of the construction zone. Not to mention, have you seen the pictures there? I, I don't know that they have room to actually play it on the field. They've got so much stuff broken. So, you know, it just, it's not an option. Two, there's definitely not enough room for people in Molokov to come and watch anything. Even if it was a game, it's just that there's not the room. And there's obviously an emphasis put on alumni and family to be able to come out there. They get the room. That's the right thing to do. It makes sense. Originally, I was kind of wondering why we're doing this, doing this the way we were in. You know, now... Especially it's going to be back in Malenkov. It, it, all, it all makes sense. Now, as for the second question that I seem to get asked a whole lot is, why isn't this going to be televised like everybody else? Um, not everybody gets their spring games put on TV. I get it. couple reasons. One, you know, if it's going to be a practice, there's not much else to watch. Doesn't necessarily make for compelling TV. So that makes sense there. But I think another reason that might escape you is they just might not 
be in a position to have a scrimmage that they are comfortable with people watching. I mean, how long has the staff been there? Three three months? Not even that? So to take so to go from three months to trying to hire coaches, we're working the portal, we're trying an install, we're trying to evaluate what we have. It wouldn't surprise me if the staff says, hey, it's not that we're doing bad, it's just this is not a product we want to put into a public setting and a game-type setting and then also put stuff on tape uh, early on here to get an idea of how we might be using people, what we want to do, what some limitations are. I know we had I, I had people text and stuff on the Hammerhead Hotline talk about that. They feel like it's a missed opportunity. I get that, but I, I'm weighing... If I'm Coach Walters and company, I'm weighing that and saying, we're good. We're good. I'm looking at the camp enrollments. I mean, we had how many quarterbacks show up to practice the other day from the uh, in, from Indiana? They have like seven or eight of them out there. I don't think the awareness of what's going on is the major issue right now for Purdue. So I'm quite all right with how it's doing. I mean, another thing that probably tells me that they're not ready to lift the curtain back on this is the media's not staying for that thing. We've all been advised you can come out early, watch some stuff, and then you're out of here. That just tells me that they're not thinking that this is a finished enough product to where they want to show that all off in, in a scrimmage type setting. I get it, and it makes sense to me. But it's hard. I know you're like so amped up for this team. I'm amped up for this team. I, I want to see what's going to happen here. We get all these camp reports. We get you know all these great clips from coaches talking about what we want to do and and how we want to play. You want a taste of it. And especially after going to the Big Ten Championship last year, I know we're under new management here, but you know a lot of these guys. You're very excited about a lot of these guys. I already told you, I'm on Nick Carraway season. Uh, Tom Deanhart in his uh, latest tweets had a lot of praise. Mo Monaday, local guy. Uh, you know I've been pulling for that guy for uh, ever since he uh, took his deal and decided to come to Purdue. 100% rooting for that guy. I want to see what Hudson Card's got. I want to see the next great generation of Boilermakers. And and it's hard because traditionally you've had this chance to look that kind of tied you over. Nobody wants to wait another four and a half months to see the football team, and I get it. But I think this the, the way they're going about it and everything all makes sense. And by the way, doing a great job. A lot of so you notice like a lot of social media stuff. They got this great drone video they went through the tunnel and all that stuff, the construction equipment. Coach Walters on the balcony. Really engaged with that stuff. So it stinks. I want to see, you know, some live fire exercises here. We're not just we're not gonna get it. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not a cause for panic. It's not a missed opportunity. It's all quite reasonable and logical, if you ask me. We're gonna take our final break. We'll wrap it up. Things we may have missed and more coming up next. You're listening to the Hammer Down Show and we'll 
Welcome back to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. Tomorrow, your brand new Purdue men's swimming and diving coach will join us. The fourth in program history. Uh, so very much looking forward to that conversation. Let's get down to the things that we may have missed. Uh, I missed this from the other night, and I meant, meant to mention it yesterday. I did not, but congratulations to Coach Katie Gerald's on going into the Marion Knights Hall of Fame, or Wall of Honor, they got. Um, yeah, uh, look, not going to be too much longer before she starts doing, replicating what she did to Marion out here at Purdue. Uh, she's amazing, and uh, we talked uh, at length about her yesterday, so uh, you know my stance on her. Big thumbs up. Congratulations to Coach Gerald's for that. Uh, Harrison Boys Tennis is in need of a new head coach after Coach Bradley steps down. The school with the uh, press release here says that Bradley feels it's best to turn her focus to her family and to be able to follow them in their endeavors. So, uh, yeah, they were doing, uh, they've been good, right? Had a great season uh, with the state runners up and everything, too. I mean, go out on top. Love it. And uh, anytime you got to make those choices for your family, uh, 100% rooting for you to do that. And then finally, I woke up this morning and I saw this news that uh, Oakland, uh, the owners of the Oakland Athletics have already agreed to purchase land in Las Vegas. It seems like this migration to Las Vegas is ready to go. Like it's going to happen. Uh, And to be honest with you, you can't blame the owners in part for wanting to be in Las Vegas, football's done so well there, and now, you know, the Knights, the hockey team has done very well. You get a lot of visitors' revenue. I mean, look, if you're going to go out to, if you follow any team, and professional team, hockey, football, or baseball, and you had your choice to go and uh, kind of like take a vacation, go go on a away game to see your team play someplace. And Vegas has to be like a top three, top five for you, right? They do an excellent job of bringing in visiting fans. And they've already embraced two sports franchises. Oakland, meanwhile, is going to lose, what, their third franchise, all three of their franchises in the a decade? A little over a decade? And that's amazing to me. So I think it says a little bit about Oakland, but at the same time, when is the last time the uh, the management of the Oakland A's has spent money to be competitive? I mean, we literally made a movie about them being cheap. I, the one thing I do not like about this, I, I, I don't want to see... I think it stinks for uh, players to have to be in a place where possums are living in the walls in the the broadcast booths and playing to literally nobody. I just don't like the fact that, you know, clearly ownership is not invested for quite some time in the team and the facilities, and now they're rewarded with what? The move, the tax incentives, all that stuff. I just don't feel like that's just, I don't feel like that's fair. You're literally rewarded for being terrible owners. So I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place there. Who do I feel worse for? I don't like, I don't like feeling bad for owners. That's for sure. 
That's going to do it for us. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 3 o'clock. The Hammer Down Show on 101.9.